All right, everybody, welcome back. We are in the fifth episode of Reflecting the King. And if you're new here, I encourage you to go back to uh, four episodes uh, so you can start from the beginning. I laid the foundation and um, it's not going to this episode is not going to be properly understood out of context uh, with those other examples. And that is when we talk about something hard today, and that is uh, suffering and persecution. So the other episodes that I attach to uh, gives you the power, the source, the the connection with God that causes you and empowers you to uh, carry out and to operate in these principles. And if you just uh, show up uh, to this episode without laying the foundation, then it might come across as some form of legalism when it definitely is not. All right. So I just had to throw that out there. Now, many people... Um, will suffer some sort of persecution. I forget the actual number, but I believe it's uh, somewhere between 500. That's the really, really low. And then there's a high number of 5,000, and that is uh, people who um, die for their faith inside of the world in a year's span. Okay. So we know for sure that at least 500, but some of them are hard to identify because it's not like anybody's out there is telling the truth about things. Right. So it's a good possibility that there could be uh, 5,000 people. That is to say that there is a lot of people that uh, when they make this decision, when they uh, commit to Christ and and this radical shift begins to happen in their lives, their their family doesn't like it. Their religion doesn't like it. Their community doesn't like it. And they suffer greatly because of that decision. Now, here in the, the United States, we might face uh, some persecution. It might be in a different manner. Uh, that is because we have uh, freedom um, and we're able to operate without that form of heavy uh, persecution. But that is not to say that we won't face people that don't like uh, what it is that happened to us. And uh, I experienced the, the same inside of my life. Like I told you, an ex-comp uh, took me into his household and to his uh, family, treating me like one of his sons. I, you know, I started uh, getting my life together. This is between 17 and 20 years old. And, you know, he had a, a, a son there who didn't like uh, me being there and he didn't like anything that I was about. And he nagged at me and every every chance and opportunity he got was to kind of pick at me in some way or fashion or to uh, persecute me in some way, uh, whether it be by his words or constant, constant challenging uh, every thought and idea and all of this different stuff. It was a it was an enemy in the sense of there to uh, cause me uh, pain, persecute and to criticize and all of those uh, different things that begin to uh, happen inside of my life. That is to say that we often uh, face some sort of uh, persecution and uh, that's just the reality of this uh, and to this life that we have been called to live now first peter uh, 221 like breaks this down in such a clear fashion and it's something that um, we have a strong aversion to i'd like to say that nobody particularly likes to suffer. Uh, nobody particularly likes to go through any pain. But when we we take the uh, God's view and opinion, and we allow Him to speak to us concerning this kind of suffering, then we get a glimpse, an idea, and a purpose and a glory behind what is uh, taking place inside of our lives. For this, you were called. 
because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but he committed himself to him who judges righteously. And that is what we're going to talk about today. Let's uh, jump into these different translations uh, real quick before before we continue on. Daniel T points out this for God called you to do good. Even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example. You must follow in his steps. The uh, NLT translation uh, says for the for the other verse, he did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor did he threaten to take revenge when he suffered. He left his case into the hands of God, who always judges fairly. Whew. Now we look at that. And what we see here is a clear thought and idea that uh, following the path of Christ. Now, many people uh, think to follow Christ means uh, to be something else completely different from what it actually is. And that is to say that everything uh, in his life, in his journey uh, that he went through and all of these different things, we can thoroughly expect that we will see those and we will face those and we will experience those too. And that is to say, this is that he has set up as suffered for us. And we see his suffering uh, that he went uh, to the death of the cross and the suffering uh, of seeing his mother look upon him and, and the pain and all this different things that were, that were happening, you know, inside of his body and all that. And then the Bible says, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. And that is to reflect the glory of the King as a reflection of following in his example and following in his steps, including suffering. And so the best way to reflect the image of the king with this attribute is to suffer and to understand that there will be suffering and to uh, take it like a champ. <laughs> uh, a lot of people have a hard time with that. So here's the problem. The first problem is this, is that believers don't expect any form of suffering. And that is to, uh, they've been given a different gospel. It's not the gospel of peace. It's not the gospel of the kingdom. It's not the gospel of grace. It's something completely different. And that is to say that they're given a, a gospel of uh, prosperity, a gospel of success that uh, sets them up for severe disappointment. And that is that, you know, the message is, is that you're, you're so wonderful and uh, God wants to bless you. He wants to be your personal genie. He wants to come through for you. And uh, if your mind can conceive it, that is, you can form this mental picture in your mind, then the universe is at your beck and call and will make that vision a reality. And that is the modern gospel that a lot of people are getting. And that is to say, believers don't expect to suffer in any way or fashion. Now, let me tell you this. That if you don't expect something, that means you don't see it uh, in the future and you don't see it on the horizon. 
And then when it comes, what happens? You're caught off guard. You're unexpected. You're shaken. You're wobbly and all these different things. In the fact and reality is, is because you're, you weren't mentally prepared for, for what uh, was going to come. And this is why it devastates a lot, a lot that when we lose someone unexpectedly is because we didn't form a mental picture yet of losing them and mentally preparing ourselves and understand it's coming and all of these different things. And so it, it, it comes upon us and we're taken off guard and, and we lose our stability and it, and it wrecks us deeply because we were, we, we didn't expect it. We weren't prepared and all these different things. But knowing this, that if you had a loved one that you knew uh, was going to go and there was this prolonged period of time of, of watching them suffer and, and, and being there for them and saying the goodbyes and all these different things, and then you, you knew that they were going to go, then you've, you, you've gained acceptance over a process of time and you've walked through those things and, and you, you face it with more uh, strength and stability because... You, you thoroughly were expecting it. You see what I'm talking about here. That many people have abandoned the faith. And the reason why they have abandoned the faith, because they expected God to do something for them and he didn't do it. And that is a major uh, devastation came into their life, a source of pain. Maybe they lost a child. Uh, maybe they lost a career. Maybe they, it doesn't matter what somebody loses. Um, the fact in reality is, is when we set up these false expectations of God, then when life hands us lemons, we get devastated because we thought God was going to protect us. We thought he was going to do this for us and we get extremely let down. And that is to say that there's many believers have been given this gospel of, of geniism. I'll just call it that the gospel of geniism. And they get all excited at the beginning, right? Who wouldn't be excited? Man, God's got this great calling for my life. He's going to make me, uh, you know, a prophet, evangelist. And I'm going to speak to the world. And we get all these grandiose um, ideas about uh, stuff and what God's going to do th through us. And all of that stuff is exciting. There's nothing that's not exciting about that. But then comes the uh, persecution, then comes the personal suffering, then comes the uh, reality and all of these different things and the passion leaves and all that different stuff. It was because the mind wasn't mentally prepared for the suffering that was going to come. Problem number one, believers don't expect suffering. Problem number two, believers don't particularly endure well. <laughs> and this is tied into not expecting suffering. You see, if I knew six months from now that I was going to boot camp. Whoo. I could tell you what <clears throat> some things would seriously change in my life, right? The Oreos would have to go. <laughs> the Oreos would have to go. And my butt would have to be getting out there, uh, uh, extremely walking, jogging, running, getting up to, you know, six minute mile, all these different things. Um, to get ready uh, for the uh, for the experience that I was about to do. If I showed up at boot camp like I am now, I would flunk out the the second day, right? And the reason is because I wouldn't I wouldn't endure well. I didn't foresee the thing coming, and I wouldn't be mentally prepared for what was coming. And so, in here, I see the greatest detriment, and I see it because 
there is a doctrine uh, that is propagated out there that there'll be no boot camp. <laughs> and that is boot camp is not coming. And everybody uh, thinks and believes that boot camp is not coming. And that is to say that before boot camp comes, the master is going to uh, uh, magically deliver us from boot camp. And therefore, everybody is mentally uh, not looking at the suffering that is about to take place. And that is to say that they are going to be in a state where they're not going to be mentally prepared to handle what is coming upon the world. And that is that they're not going to be able to endure well. And that is the problem number two. Believers do not endure very well. Problem number three. Believers don't count the cost. That is to say, we skip through the words of Christ that are too demanding. And the ones that uh, really lay out for us the cost of discipleship and the going all in and the commitment and the faithfulness and all these different things that take place inside of discipleship. And we don't uh, thoroughly look at the demands or, or, or the cost that is going to be associated with that. And this is what uh, Christ taught that... Um, and it's somebody who wanted to follow him and be his disciple. And he said, don't you first count the cost, sit down, whether you can build this tower or not. If you go to build and then people look at you and say, you didn't have what it took. And they begin to mock and they begin to laugh at you. And this is the reality of what's taking place inside of the kingdom that many people didn't count the cost, right? And that is they set out to build and they, they didn't uh, consider the everything that is associated with building that kind of life and then abandon it. And what does it become? It comes an open mockery. People begin to mock and said, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Right. And that becomes a, a public display of shame. And so counting the cost was associated with that. And that's why he told the, um, the person that wanted to follow him and say, Hey, Man, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man doesn't have any place to race uh, to rest his head. And um, that uh, didn't sit well. Right. <laughs> and so he probably bounced. And so that's the reality of the problem that we're facing. Number one, believers don't expect suffering. Number two, believers don't endure very well. Number three, believers do not count the cost. Now I want to dive into the pain associated with this problem. And that is we, we lose passion. You know, when we are told that, you know, we're going to uh, come out of the baptismal water like super Christian, we're going to conquer and overcome, destroy all of our habits and addictions. And we come out and the world beats us up and we start losing battles. The passion in the wind is sucked out of us. And that is that we lose passion. That's the reason why this problem is so bad, because it sucks the passion right out of us. Not only that, but we get bitter. And we get bitter because we have this concept and idea that uh, God is going to somehow follow us when he told us to follow him. And that is we we're given this the illusion that we could create all these grand plans and all these purposes and that somehow God is going to empower us for those purposes. And here's the reality. God is not following us. We're following him. 
and the purposes that he's going to empower is the purposes that he established in his kingdom. And that is that if you want to bring healing to the world, if you want to be anointed to, to preach the gospel of the kingdom, you want to bring the light and revelation and all that different stuff, then you're going to be empowered to carry those things out. You want to build your own little kingdom for your own little glory because you're weak and insecure and all these different things and you need all the praise you need the fame you need the money to feel okay about yourself god's empowerment is not there to to help you accomplish any of those things right and so when we're giving a gospel of worldliness that god is going to uh, bless us with all of those things and then when it doesn't happen we get bitter so we lose passion and we get bitter. The third one is that we get disillusioned. And that we had the illusion that God was going to uh, make us into something great. Even This comes even in the form of like uh, Christianese. And that is, you know, uh, if you come from a charismatic circle and a Pentecostal circle like me, uh, you are given grand prophecies. Um, we had something what you call a presbytery. And that is the uh, prophets uh, would um, uh, speak words over to you. And I could tell you the, the words that I were given are etched in my soul. And that is um, they, they, they are powerfully inside of me. And I hold on to those things. Right. And that is that there was some epic things said, you know, I'll be a, an encourager uh, of the brethren that I'll rise up with the men of influence. I'll stand among the mighty and declare the word of the Lord that I'll be used as the mighty influence inside of the kingdom. Those are the the grand prophecies that were given to me that I hold on to. The, the disillusionment is that those things are going to magically happen. And that, that requires no effort, training, preparation on my part, that God is going to wave his little fairy wand over me and then poof, the, the prophecies are going to come to pass, right? And that's just not the reality. And so we get, uh, we get disillusioned when we don't understand um, the process and everything that God wants to take us through. So let's jump into the possibility here real quick. The possibility is this is that we can grab the mindset of the king and understand this, that his suffering was set for our example. And we are told that it is our pattern and that we should walk in his footsteps and all these different things. So what gives us the power and the energy to actually uh, endure and to, um, to manifest this reflection of the king? And first and foremost, it will always be, and this will always be the answer for every lesson that is in the context of reflecting the king. First, we grab the vision and we see how he has suffered for us because God will never expect us to be what he hasn't been to and done to us. We're to follow the pattern, and that is that we get energized and empowered by the example and by the pattern, and that is that we see how he has suffered for us. And that is getting a glimpse of the, the setting aside of his will and serving the Father and everything that was involved inside of the cross, and we see it, and we feel it, and we experience it. Then we're able to grab a hold of that power and that life. His, his example is our life. And that divine life lives on the inside of us. And so if we want 
to begin to uh, suffer in, in the pattern that he suffered. That is to say that we need to be energized and empowered by his divine life that lives on the inside of us, right? This is not a legalistic message to go, well, if you suffer and you do all of these different things, then God will approve you and God will accept you and all these different things. No, what I'm saying is God loves you, God approves and God accepts you and his life is on the inside of you and he will give you the power to endure if you tap into his life. And that's, that's the answer to anything that I'm going to provide for you. But the possibility is this, is that Jesus said, do not marvel, or actually John said this, don't marvel, my brothers, if the world hates you. So the, the mindset that I want to get you uh, to establish inside of your life is the paradigm of God. And that is our life is able to go a lot smoother when we accept his view and opinion and that the conflict <clears throat> is we have a uh, view and opinion of our own. And that is that we're not willing to let go of that view and opinion. So don't marvel. Don't be, uh, don't think it's strange. Don't be uh, bewildered in any way or fashion when you know that the world hates you. <laughs> We're told that the world love and accepts its own man. And if you've ever been inside of the drug culture, you know that inside of that culture, um, inside of like a subgroup and you're part of the, uh, the same tribe and stuff, thoroughly welcoming like come on in we're all in sin come on in you know and there's this welcoming sort of culture that's involved inside of uh the world and that's the way the world operates if you want to bow down if you want to cave and you want to uh have this mindset then we're going to love you and we're going to accept you and all these different things so don't be surprised if the world hates you in fact know and understand that i will the next possibility is uh, 2 Timothy 2.3, endure hardship. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And that is taking on the mindset of uh, putting yourself in the position uh, to endure uh, uh, suffering. And that is in, in the form of self-denial. Whenever we deny a worldly pleasure and or sin, temptation, all these different things, that is a form of denying ourself uh, some sort of pleasure and, and things like that. But it's also attached to um, uh, intentionally going without. There's a lot of uh, benefit in putting yourself uh, uh, intentional suffering. And that is, you know, go to a cabin, get away from society, put yourself in an intentional place where you suffer. And that is to uh, uh, fast or to skip a meal and all these different things, right? Endure hardship as a good soldier. Hebrews 11.25. This is one of my uh, most favorite uh, concept of suffering because we, we really need to grab a hold of this. And that is the, the concept of our agency and choosing to suffer. Hebrews 11.25. By faith, Moses chose to suffer. I'll say that again. By faith, Moses chose to suffer. And we don't understand the, the uh, faith. And that is our, our, our trust and reliance placed upon, uh, uh, placed upon our king. And that we're making our deposit. We're saying, I'm placing this inside of your hands. I trust in you. 
And that faith that Moses had of entrusting uh, to God caused him to make the choice where he intentionally said that he was going to suffer. He was going to suffer affliction with the people of God rather to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the riches, than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. So he has this life as a prince, a prince of Egypt. And he has this life of pleasure, like where the whole world and its systems kind of bow down to you, right? And that he has this uh, riches and all of these treasures inside of Egypt. And he has a choice. And that is that he's going to uh, follow God and place his trust and confidence in him. And with that choice was that he was going to leave Egypt. And we don't have this as a core fundamental in the gospel anymore. And this is why we have a lot of worldly people. And that is they never got the concept of making a choice to go all in with God was making a choice to step out of Egypt and to abandon the, the, uh, the treasures and all this stuff that the world offers and to, uh, uh, begin to go all in with him inside of his kingdom. Once you start uh, getting kingdom focus, the people will start dropping off. <laughs> and that's just the truth about it. So choosing to suffer, just making the choice to leave Egypt is a, is a powerful, powerful reality. And it's all something that we are called to do. And it's all uh, attached to a personal suffering of leaving. Okay. Second Timothy 3.1. Yes, all. <laughs> Who desired to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Can you imagine these mega churches uh, talking uh, about this concept of uh, following the pattern of Christ in personal suffering and um, saying no to the world and to the flesh and to the devil and all of these different things and making a choice to choose a suffering and then say, giving an invitation and saying, you know what? I got this life for you. And it's, it's, it, you desired uh, to live godly. Whew, come on up. We got the persecution for you. Like that message wouldn't, wouldn't go over well, right? There wouldn't be much hands raised. But that's in reality, uh, what we're talking about here is that, that when you say yes to the king, that is a, a forsaking and stepping out of the world and its systems and that you're not going to place your trust, hope and confidence in those things. You could be in the world, but not of the world. And that is that you're not going to uh, all the obsession with all of the world and all of that stuff is going to come to an end and you're going to get obsessed with the king and his kingdom. And if you desire to live godly inside of that manner, if you desire to seek first the kingdom of God, if you desire uh, and understand that you cannot serve two masters, you cannot serve God and money, and you, you begin to accept that, then you're going to live, uh, you will suffer uh, in some way or fashion. You will suffer giving up uh, those things. You will suffer uh, persecution for why aren't you partaking with us in these things and all this different stuff, right? All right, there's a couple more. It's uh, 2 Timothy 2.9. It says, Paul said this. He says, for which I suffer trouble, suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained. And so we have this example of Paul of, uh, of proclaiming the kingdom message and turning the world upside down and creating no small stir everywhere he went, right? 
and he's suffering trouble as an evildoer. And that is, you know, if Paul had this expectation that uh, he was not going to suffer in any way or fashion when the when when it came time for the chains, he'd be like, hey, God, this is this is not what you promised. But that's not what what happened. It says in the book of Acts there that, that Christ showed up and he, and he told Paul and he began to show him all the things that he must suffer. And he clearly showed that this was going to be a, a, a life of suffering and a life of pain. And then Paul decided to go all in with that. Right. Same thing with Peter, that Peter was uh, told about the death that he would die. And that all the suffering that he would endure. And um, and he, he kept it real. <laughs> he kept it 100. And talk about weeding out the uncommitted. Like, hey, yeah, follow me. You're going to be crucified upside down. You're going to be spit upon. The world's going to hate you. You're going to be persecuted. All these different things. Come follow me. I got a great plan for your life. And so what we don't understand is that Jesus always kept it 100. And that is he kept it absolutely 100 positively real with people. And here's Paul suffering trouble as an evildoer. And here's the reality about what we are facing in the future. I'm no prophet, but uh, God get, has given me uh, insight to some things. And one of these insights is that the suffered the trouble as an evildoer. And that is that in the future that those who uh, persecute and kill you will think that they're doing God's service. They will have a righteous uh, vindication behind them. They will think that they are doing good by ridding the evil uh, inside of this world and you are the cancer and you are whatever. And so they're going to eradicate you and remove you from the earth because you are the problem. Okay. And that is the mindset that people will have in the future. And that is, we will begin to suffer great trouble as evildoers. And having the mindset of Paul that says, you know what? They can put me in chains, but the word of God is not chained. They can be able to do this, but it, unless they cut out my tongue, I'm going to keep on talking. <laughs> All right. Romans 8, 17. Last one. Uh, everything with him. And if, if we are children, then we are heirs. And then if we are heirs of God, we're joint heirs with Christ. I could talk about a whole lesson on this. Maybe we will sometime. If indeed we suffer with him. That we may also be glorified together. Everything in this process of reflecting the king is joining him in everything. And we're going to unpack all of that. That we're going to die with him. We're going to be buried with him. That we're going to rise with him. That we're going to live with him. That we're going to sit with him. That we're going to endure with him. That we're going to suffer with him. And that we're going to reign with him. And everything is by him, through him, for him. And it's all wrapped up and everything is going going to happen with him and seeing that is oh i'm going to follow christ that this means uh, some sort of magic words in a, a a nice condition building that doesn't uh, portray what it what this is going to involve that you are going to follow in his pattern and his footsteps you're going to have a hero's journey much like his you're going to triumph victoriously god is going to create and make you what you ought to be and this is the whole glorious thing of what it means to actually uh follow him so we're going to suffer with them that we meet glorified together. So the last concept I want to bring out in this is uh, suffering wrongfully. 
and this is what uh, Peter talked about. It said, how is it to your credit if you receive a beating uh, for doing wrong and you endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. You see, there's no guarantee that the good actions will result in any sort of pain-free outcomes, right? There's no guarantee that our good will be uh, heaped good back upon us by the world, right? And that is that the the concept of, of making a choice, uh, stepping out of the kingdom of darkness, stepping into the kingdom of light, and being empowered by that kingdom, and there's no guarantee that this is uh, a pain-free life, there's no guarantee that we are going to be loved and approved and accepted. There's no guarantee that we're going to be ushered upon the stages because the reality is, is that people uh, particularly don't want to hear this kind of message. And so nobody's going to invite me to speak, uh, to talk about um, this glorious pattern of walking in the sufferings, right? I won't get no speaking engagements. And the reality is, is, is that when we step inside of the kingdom and we begin to embody the values that are inside of the kingdom, they are even adverse to the religious community. People don't want to hear that. And that's ultimately the real gospel is the one that is suffering the persecution. And that is that we come outside of legalism and say that gospel is not the way we come out of libertinism. We say that's not the way. And both sides would be furious about this message that, uh, that I am proclaiming here because it doesn't conform to either sides. And so it's subject to attacking and persecution by all sides. And when we say, you know, the self-help movement is not the way that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth and the life. And he wants us to get beyond living just by principles. He wants to uh, live it within us and dwell within us and begin to empower us by his life. That is in odds to any form of self-help movement there there is out there. All right. So the reality is, is that when you grab a hold of this message, you're going to set yourself at odds to a lot of people. And here's the reality of what God is calling us to do. That he said he will create and make us what we ought to be. He said that he will cause us to walk in whatever it is that he wants us to walk in, to walk in his ways. And his way is the path of suffering. And that is that I'm going to do good. And I'm going to endure any suffering that it may arise from doing that good because this is the power in the life of Christ that is within me to accomplish just that and I will walk through the fire and I won't be burned and this kind of mindset and attitude is commendable towards God alright brothers I'll talk to you later peace peace